Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Oh, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. Hello, everyone. Saxon Jackson. I'm Tim Howell. He's Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down three. Dow Futures down 80. NASDAQ Futures up five. So we're kind of mixed this morning. Not doing too much. We'll uh, see how that goes. We've got the ongoing talks in Washington regarding the uh, budget. Uh, not the budget thing, but the debt ceiling. We'll see how that plays out. Now, yesterday we were getting some encouraging news out of Washington and that was enough to push the market up a little bit. Now we're slipping a little bit today. Do we have, uh, we have Brendan? Yes, Chief. I'm here. How, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? Well, uh, had a curveball thrown at me. I have to go in for a heart procedure this weekend, so... <laughs> this weekend? Yeah, Saturday. Uh, what do they do on a Saturday? Well, it turns out that, uh, as my cardiologist has told me, I'm an unusual case, and he's asked me to be a case study, and they are going to fill my procedure to a bunch of cardiologists across the country. Well, let's hope they do a good job. (laughs) Yeah, let's hope so. Were you in Northwestern? Yeah, Northwestern. All right, well, as you well know, good luck to you, buddy. So when you come out here, you're going to be cured? Uh, I'd like to think so, but I don't think that's realistic. But I, I should be feeling better. Well, good. You uh, you've been not feeling so hot. Is that the? Uh, I didn't know that. Um, mostly mostly fatigue. You know, I, I'm I have been going through cardiac rehab, and I find on days that that I get really tired afterwards. And you know, uh, life gets lifey sometimes. So it's uh, it's been more just a question of fatigue more than anything else. Well, at least now there appears to be a fix where before they weren't so sure, right? Well, this is the next step. I was on a heart rate monitor for 30 days, and uh, during that time, if there were a few incidents. You know, when I was out in Colorado, I spent a night in the ER, and uh, I passed out one time at, at friend's house. And then when I came back, they put me on a heart rate monitor for 30 days, and that found some irregularities. So they thought it's time for the next step. So at this point, um, there's, they're going to insert at least one and maybe three stents this weekend. Um, don't think a bypass is called for right now, but stent, a stent or multiple stents are, uh, well, one stent at least is definite, and maybe two or three. Uh, no ablation for the yep. regularity? Yeah. You do some of that too? Yep. And then we're, uh, no, they didn't mention that. They just mentioned stents right now, so I don't think there's going to be an ablation. Well, you, might but, be, you uh, might be good to go when they get out of there. You might be great. Fine. Yeah, I know. I keep I joke with Val that I'm looking for marathons on Memorial Day weekend, and she doesn't think that's very funny. Um, sometimes they don't have much of a sense of humor, you know. Just, just what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I guess that's uh, whatever. If they weren't the way they are, we wouldn't like them. What can I tell you? That's right. 
or something. She keeps, telling, she keeps telling me it's for my own good not to run another marathon next weekend. So uh, that that part I, I'm with her on. I'd say. <laughs> but uh, anyway, good. good. I mean, I hope that uh, obviously it all turns out. I mean, the idea of a Saturday. Hope you get the A team in there for God's sake. Well, it, they're they're calling their team in because this is uh, this is being shown to cardiologists that meet periodically for unusual cases and case studies. Well, uh, without asking you too much, they put stents in every hour at these places. What's so unusual about this one? Uh, my background and also where the blockages are and um, and there are a few other complications that. All right. Uh, okay, but uh, so in other words, it's a it's it's a big deal. So good. Well, uh, um, you're going to let me know Sunday that you're fine. Yeah, I will. All right, bud. Anything you need yeah, is, they, are is keep, they are keeping me overnight on Saturday into Sunday, so uh, I had to uh, I, I had to rearrange things for this weekend. Well, well, you know, sometimes a big surgery is a little inconvenience. <laughs> you know, can, can be they, inconvenient. They should have. They, they definitely should have checked with me to see what my life schedule is before having these complications come up. Well, it's Aaron. God. Anyway, <laughs> just good. So, what do you? Are you having a chance to keep up on uh, kind of what's going on in the world here, or what? A little bit, yeah. Uh, I, I was interested in, in your comments about the, the the discussions on the debt limit yesterday because it, it seems like they're from two different worlds. That you know, Biden's team is saying that we're making good progress, and McCarthy says we're not moving an inch. <laughs> Nothing's happening. So, uh, very interesting to, to see the different approaches. Well, what, um, what, where, do you, where do you think McCarthy is vis-a-vis his people? And I, and I, I think they actually, they, they make this, nobody will tell you the truth, I don't think. Uh, we're, we try and find the truth on the show, or whether we do or not, I don't know, but I think we try. I think there is a difference between, even if these guys remember what they voted on, or read what they voted on, which I don't buy for a second, uh, you know, even, even if they were diligent, and, I, and I, really, I really think we have a problem with that, Brendan, I really do, I don't... I think these guys they, they 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 talk totally at you and around you. I was, I was actually I was listening to Nikki Haley this this weekend on uh, on whatever those things were on the radios. We can't tell what I'm watching on the radios. Whatever's on BBM is that Face the Nation or is that the other one? Um, CBS is Face the Nation. Yes, with Margaret Brennan. So they've got her on there, and and she makes a lot of sense. And then all of a sudden she'll lob one out there, just just to appease. The lunatics that she has to appease, mm-hmm. you know. And she's talking about the uh, people coming across the border and this and that and the crime and tying it into the amount of drugs in the country. And then says something to the effect of, "Well, we, we don't want another 9/11 with people coming over the border." Now, I'm going to say nobody, nobody could be stupid enough to equate the Arabs and Egyptians that came over the border, well dressed on regular planes with passports into this country to those people coming across the border down there. Can anybody make that connection at all? Yes. <clears throat> I have heard people make that connection. Uh, what is, what I, is wrong with them? I, it, it is completely illogical and irrational, but I have heard people who buy into that argument that terrorists are making their way to the southern border so they can get in without a hassle. Um. These are people that have been taking flying lessons without the part about the landing and everything else? <laughs> what would anybody, no. anybody with any other way in, why would you go through that thing down there? 
I, I look. It does. Not, I agree. It does not make sense. It's completely logical, but it's red meat to a certain core group of folks in this country who want to believe that. I uh, boy. I still. But yes, I do know people who who buy into that theory that that that's a place where terrorists are coming in, and it's a deliberate attempt for uh, Middle East terrorists to enter the country because it's unchecked as opposed to flying in through Boston or New York or any of the other uh, gateway cities. So we went from, uh, if you listen to, uh, we need to have him back on, I guess he stopped working for his girlfriend uh, running for the alderman job. We have to have Eric May back on. Eric was a, a uh, I, think, I think it was the Washington Post, but I'm not sure. They have another paper too, don't they? Or they did. Uh, anyway, he was a reporter when he first got out of school and he told me that when they actually told, told everybody on the air that he, he, there would be like one or two murders a week and then I think it was was it oxycodone or crystal meth one of the two was invented and hit the streets it went from like two murders a week to like 15 in, in like two weeks so the idea that you know how many that had to be 40 years ago now we're going to blame the drug problem on the southern border now all of a sudden mm-hmm. I mean I'm sure Stuff's getting in down there. I know a lot of it comes from Mexico, so that is an issue. But does anybody think that if we shut the border down there, we're not going to have any drugs up here? Or does anybody really think that the immigrants who are coming into the border right now and are sleeping in tents are carrying tons of cocaine and other drugs? I heard these guys have a couple of submarines now. <laughs> well, the Rio Grande is pretty deep, so I, I can see no, no, that. No, no, they go up the okay. coast. And we're not talking about, you know, atomic... But something that can have a couple of guys down there, and they have uh, a couple hundred pounds of stuff, and they, they come up the coast. Well, I mean, the, for years there there have been boats that have come up from Mexico through Southern California. That uh, uh, so, I mean, all you have to do is remember the movie Tequila Sunrise. <laughs> well, we're already getting some texts. Terrorists will enter in any way possible. Yeah, but you know, it's, I guess we had Irish terrorists too. I, this what. On a, on, a, on a worldwide scale, uh, Brendan, I mean, I know we're, we're dealing with it here, doing the best we can, uh, and maybe not doing the best job. And I don't think there would ever be, quote, a best job. I, I read somewhere that there's there's six million people, at least, leaving wherever the hell they live because they can't, living there, they can't deal with it, and are on the move someplace. Mm-hmm. And do, 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 does the, I'm not, I'm not advocating opening up the border and say everybody come on in without any kind of any way to deal with it all uh, but does anybody here who bitches about the problem have any idea what the problem is, the magnitude of the problem worldwide is? I mean, how many people want to leave Russia because they don't want to be killed in the, ar- in the army tomorrow? How many people are out of Ukraine? Nobody even seems to care. But how many people do you think are in Poland for God's sake? A couple of million? Or, or places like Syria. Yeah. Or, uh, or think of some of the countries like Sudan and Africa where there really are humanitarian crises and and what do you do and people who are escaping these these countries these horrible situations are not intent on destroying america by blowing us up um, you know they you know they're not much, that much different than our ancestors were when you think about how many irish came over in the, the great famine years or any wave of European immigrants, whether it was the Italians, the Germans, the Poles, you know, every time there was a diaspora from their homeland, there was a reason for it. Um, 
Now, I agree that there, there needs to be more immigration laws to make it, uh, to have some laws to come in, not just open up the borders. I mean, that's, it's silly to just think that we're going to open up the borders to everybody around the world to come in. Uh, but you're right. The, the reason that, they're, that people are leaving their countries, fleeing their countries to get in here is not, uh, in my opinion, to destroy our way of life, but to make a better life for themselves. My parents did that. My parents moved from Ireland to the United States, and they had to go through Canada because of immigration requirements back in the uh, early 50s. And um, they had to, to establish a residency in Canada for a, a year or two years or something before they could reapply from Canada to get into the United States. And they did that. And there are a lot of people that, that I know personally from my parents' generation who had to do the same thing. And they would lodge themselves in, in primarily Canada and then move into Boston, New York, Chicago, places like that when the time was right but you know there are, and there are a lot of people who did that to make a better life for their family well we have a, a text of that, that fentanyl is coming in through mexico and i i'm not gonna i can't i don't think i can't debate that because i'm sure it's true I, but when, when you when you make a statement like that for instance i don't know why maybe because i'm i'm very attuned to Sometimes what I think I say and what people hear being somewhat different, <laughs> and it you know it's not what you say; it's what people hear, right? Yeah. Uh, and I'm also every once in a while, maybe monthly, I go back and read. I won't read. I don't have a copy of Mein Kampf, but uh, I'll read the Wikipedia thing on the Big Lie, and I hear it every day. And uh, but now when when somebody will make a statement, like if a politician were to say, "It's fentanyl," damn it, it comes in from Mexico. Okay, now. Am I to immediately jump to the conclusion that nobody up here is part of that? That, that somewhere along the line it doesn't it isn't some drug dealing Mexican guy we'd all like to shoot selling us the stuff. Somebody up here is buying it, and if he wouldn't be, if he wasn't buying it from him, he'd be buying it from somebody else. That someplace up here, people are all over this, and the eighty percent of the money is being made here by probably yep. white people. You know, well, in, in my understanding, there's also that fentanyl is, is uh, manufactured a lot, primarily in China. So it goes from China to Mexico, and some of it may be manufactured down there, but uh, you're right. It, it's And when you think about the border problem, the immigration problem at the border, again, the people who are crossing the border right now and spending their time in Brownsville and, and El Paso are not transporting the fentanyl. They are not the fentanyl problems. They are not the mules that are bringing in tons of fentanyl uh, as they're coming across the border right now. So that's a conflation of two different issues, two different very serious and significant issues, but separate in the, the, what needs to be done with them and how to approach them. Well, I mean, the it always seems to me that the people who make the big money are the people you can't touch, no matter right. what it is. Right. I mean, I, I, we have examples of that in our country too, in the political and the corporate realm. The too big to fail analysis. Oh yeah. I, you know, I, it's, I think it's reached the point where the government really can't can't deal with some of the no gooders. They can't certainly can't deal with them on the antitrust front. Mm-hmm. You know, in a lot of places, and you know, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at the you talking about Biden and McCarthy. I'm listening to them both smiling at each other here, doing nothing. But I, uh, I mean, what what do you do on that side of it? The Republicans, the extreme right, of course, they're going to bitch about everything. Of course, so is the extreme left. But uh, the fact that the 
the def- the the debts the debt ceiling is actually probably higher than even if you did. I guess what I was about to start about to say earlier, if you actually read, did read all the laws and everything, a lot of them are somewhat out of control, and a lot of them are extended. They aren't supposed to be extended. There's no question that if you look at the debt numbers, the the Trump Trump tax decrease, although you know everybody pays less taxes is happy about it, including me. The Trump tax tax decrease was an utter failure compared to whatever they said it was going to be. We're going to end up with more money. No, you're not. Yep. And and the stuff that Biden's talking about, a lot of that's an utter failure. Oh no, if we can just spend all this money in these areas, and uh, you know, give everybody internet. They're all going to have a job and be paying money in taxes, and we're going to get it back in spades. Bull, bull crap, bull crap, both of them. You know, so yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that what, what they did has left them a problem that now they're aghast at. And if, yeah. and if the Republicans were in power, the Democrats would be doing the same thing. Oh man, look at these numbers. We can't pay this. And mm-hmm. guess what? We can't. So I mean, I don't know what what is what is the legislative solution to that, Brendan? I mean, I'm not talking about political solution. I mean, legislative. I mean, and you hear stuff piling out of these bureaucratic organizations and what people have to do. I mean, in terms of what companies now have to do with their employees and sending stuff to the state. And, you know, if, you, if you're a big enough company, you got to send all your stuff to the state so they can audit your salary rolls. And if you're not paying a minority enough, they're going to fine you or do something. Brent, who, who even thinks of that crap? Who pays for it? And, and fire all those people. I mean, where am I... And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty liberal, <laughs> this, but this is nuts. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And I do think that to, to stem the tide of the federal deficit, you have to stop the spending. However, that does not mean not paying your debts. And as you pointed out, a lot of the, the debt that we are owing right now was incurred under the Republican administration. So this is not just a Democratic problem. It's a Democratic problem because Joe Biden is in the, in the presidency, in the White House right now. But this is a problem that has been contributed to by the Republican tax credits under Trump, uh, by the spending under the Trump years. I mean, look at the increase of the deficit under the Trump years. And so it's not just a Democratic spending issue. But the point is that we have incurred these debts and to walk away from them right now or to say we're not going to pay them or to hold them in a position where if you don't stop spending, we're going to default on our payments, you know, um, that's ludicrous. That's absolutely insane to to think that that's a viable option. I do believe that the two should be kept separate. There should be a clean debt increase, debt limit increase, and then take up the spending if you're going to be this entrenched in on the debt limit, why can't you be this entrenched in when it comes time for the budget and really show where you want to cut on the budget before that goes forward? Well, that that, that would make more sense, but the only the only slight flaw in your argument there, there is no real flaw, but it is when you say you're not going to renege on your debts, you got to borrow more money to pay the old debts. So right. there, therein lies the problem. I mean... Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I mean, there's no, there's no question that the, the the mantra, and this has been put through by the new monetarists and the the new Keynesians, and are these people paid off by the people that they that they get on TV for? I mean, they must be. <laughs> I mean, the whole idea of of the. Uh, How many times have we asked that question? <laughs> well, I, know, I, I mean, it's. But I mean, the the the, the standard argument, 
Brennan. I mean, and I, you know, I could give it. I could give the other side of the argument. Sometimes better than people are arguing with me. Uh, the, sta- the standard argument is, uh, hey, Brendan, Matt Weber, forget about paying this off. We're never paying it off. Okay, we're, we're not going to all of a sudden start pay- we're paying off $31 trillion. The trick, all the trick is, is to have a growth rate of 3% legitimately, uh, 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 as I put my finger on my throat, legitimately, and have a, a debt rate growth of 299 Mm-hmm. And you're okay, right. and you yep. and you're okay, but when you lie to yourself on every single one of these bills about what they're going to do for you, you never you never make it there. And then all of a sudden you right. have something like COVID that really sort throws you a loop, and maybe even the the Ukraine war. There's never there's never a nickel in there for a rainy day ever. That's right. Right, and and you're never and you lie to yourself about a the growth, right, and then you lie to yourself about what your your bills and your spending is going to do for you. Right, because there's a there's and a plus. At the of time of the aberrations. Too. Yeah. So when, when you're done, so at the end of the five years of this new strategy, you find out that hey, hey, our our growth was one percent, if that, and our spending went up five. We're not even close, right? And that's mm-hmm. essentially what right. happens every single year. So I, I I surely do get it that the Republicans are saying th- these numbers we're looking at are fool's gold, right? We better mm-hmm. change something because this isn't working. If, if what you guys are saying are right, or whether Trump said was right, our deficit should be $29 trillion, and guess what? It's 31 mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's no doubt they, they have an argument, right? Yeah, I, I, I agree that they have an argument, and that spending has to be reduced, the debt has to be reduced, but this is not the way to do it. And I think both sides are playing a game of chicken, and the, the element of the chicken is, who is going to get the blame for this? Will this be blamed on the Republicans in the House, or would this be blamed on Joe Biden? Well, uh, I'm going to take a stab at that, and I'm going to say traditionally it's always blamed on the party who stops the checks from coming, if they actually right. stop, and that's going to be the Republicans. Right. Well, their, their argument is, Kevin McCarthy's argument is, it's not us because well, we have passed a debt increase bill. It just happens to be contingent on dramatic spending cuts or halting the spending right now. So we've done our job and now it's in Biden's hands. I think so that that, that is his that, fault. That argument is a fart in church. It I, all, it always... <laughs> I agree with you. But that's that's the gamble that's being made right now by by McCarthy and the House Republicans that they can shift the blame for this to Joe Biden and the Democrats. Well, I mean, it's... You know what? I'm going to maybe do some research or ask, you know, this is a... a, a you know, Kevin or Mike or... or uh, or Carl would be all over this, but there's two or three times, there has, there has to be some kind of a cutoff we make. When we get to the point where we close the national parks and do all that kind of stuff, we have to say, for the last there's probably two or three times we've went that far. And I and I wonder, I, I seem to recall that the blame was on the the party not in power causing the problem or was thought to cause the problem. Uh, but I'm not exactly sure, Brennan. I mean, is your memory better than mine? I, I think right. Well, yeah. Historically, when the Republicans have have tried to force this issue, they were the ones who've been blamed for the government shutdowns. Do you think this time we're not just going to give the guy who runs the national park the summer off and then give him all his pay, his back pay, or we actually make the idiot show up saying we're going to owe you? Uh, you know that that that's a very interesting question, and you you would hope that for a lot of services that people would be required to show up to their job 
and say, we'll pay, you know, trust us on this. We'll pay you back when uh, retroactively. Yeah, the idea of not showing up and, uh, <laughs> and then getting paid anyway, I think that's, that's not going to go over real big right now. Although the danger, the danger is that if you require somebody to show up for work and not getting paid, how are they going to pay their bills? Whereas if they are off uh, and have no idea when they're going to get back, they may go for another job and just say, the heck with this, I'm out of here. I don't care you know, how important you think my job is. You don't think it's that important that you didn't resolve this issue and you're letting me go. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no easy. I mean, there's no easy, easy thing here. I mean, it's no, there's not. Well, that's the point. There is going to be pain if we want to get the debt down. There is going to be pain. The question is, how is it imposed, and who is it imposed upon? And right now, if if there is a default, I believe that there will be significant damage done to the economy in ways that are. Um, not fully thought out right now. Yeah, right. Uh, the idea of, of U.S. being a deadbeat country, the idea of soldiers not getting paid, Social Security, Medicare payments yeah. not being made. Uh, the, the ramifications of this are enormous. I have a real quick question. The uh, how come the PPP loans? If you if you missed it, you just missed it. But now mm-hmm. this, there's got to be five companies now trying to get people to do this uh, employee retention act. Why, why, after COVID is over, why can you still apply for that stuff? I don't know. Uh, the good question, I don't have an answer for you. Hey, uh, good luck Saturday. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll hear from you on Tuesday, and you'll be bright and cheerful. Because uh, once, once it's a success, you, you're up and about, right? Uh, should be. Should be pretty quick for the recovery, yes. All right, buddy. The best of luck. Uh, S&P futures down four, and S&P futures down seven. Be right back. Mr. Joel on Cannon. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day to day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, 
Innovation and Human Resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks jocks, stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right there, right now. Hello, Rope X, Jackson. I'm Tim Allen, Weber the Board. SP Futures down 5, Nasdaq Futures down 5, Dow Futures down 88. Part of that is Home Depot, which is now down 6 and a quarter, was down 10 something when their numbers came out. Uh, worst revenue miss in 20 years. They say people are not buying the big ticket items. And, uh, you know, home improvement projects are getting smaller. Uh, certainly nothing that we uh, have not talked about on the show forever. Uh, I think most people think the economy is slowing down somewhat. Um, so now the debt ceiling worries are back. Yesterday we were up because of debt ceiling hope. Maybe just whatever day, you know, you happen to be on, it's what happens. Over in uh, Europe, we're mild, mild, mildly, I mean very mildly to the upside here. DAX up 24.1%. Putsy up three, I guess we'll call that one flat. Kakaran up two, we'll call that one flat. But they are they are up. Uh, Asia, Nikkei up 216, uh, that's 0.7%. Hang Seng up seven, call that flat. Shanghai down 19.6%. Uh, yesterday, we, were, we rallied at the end of the day, uh, pretty much through the afternoon. Dow's up 49, uh, S&P up 12, NASDAQ up 80. And we have uh, the bonds, which have been pretty steady. Uh... Now they're down three basis points, 3.48. They've been right around this 3.50 number for uh, quite a while. The uh, in the uh, uh, Japan uh, down one basis point, under under 4.399, which is uh, kind of unusual. We had run up to uh, the uh, um, no whatever. Maybe it was up the high. The high point they're going to let it go is 0.5, and it's been touching that a couple times, but uh, it's, it's pulling off that a little bit. Oil down 21 cents, 70.90. Rent up tw- uh, down 24 cents, 74.99. Natural gas down two cents, 235. Arbob down a penny, 245. So not much going on in uh, that area. Gold uh, down 10 bucks, still over 2000, 2011, but really struggling to make it over like 2050. I don't know if it's going to. I mean, it's right between this 2000 and 2030 number, back and forth, back and forth. Silver same way, down 32 cents, 23.96. Very violent. Within a range of about 23.90 to 24.90, can't seem to break out one way or the other. Copper down, down six cents, 3.68. We've got Bitcoin down 3.18, almost under 27,000, 27,089. And the U.S. dollar, which is probably causing the U.S. dollar is only is down, but very little bit. The euro is uh, 
10109 and the, the, the British pound is 125 and it was the euro had made it up to 111 so they're down in the last couple of weeks and uh, so is the pound but the pound's actually hung in there more than the euro a lot of stuff there Matty what do you got for us uh, traffic weather sports 36 minutes past the hour good morning to everyone out there uh, we have a crash down on the south side outbound Bishop Ford just before the Dalton Avenue exit 70, there is a crash that's causing some congestion if you're heading out on, on 94. Let's uh, keep that in mind. But the rest of the expressways are looking good. Normal traffic volume starting to build up, especially on the Kennedy due to the road construction, but no accidents to report. Only other crash in the area is out in the western suburbs, North Avenue, Route 64 at Glen Ellen Road. Uh, there is a crash. But uh, everything else looking good out there. Weather today, it's going to be an interesting weather day as... Uh, it will be uh, temperatures rising into the upper 70s and further inland, and it'll touch the low 80s. And then uh, this evening, uh, just as you're uh, probably heading home or, or maybe making dinner, the temperatures are going to plummet down into the uh, 50s, uh, about a 25 to 30 degree drop. Uh, this evening, uh, and so I guess good for sleeping. But uh, in the city here, uh, partly cloudy skies with a high of 77, and then we'll be in the low 50s this evening. Right now, it is mostly clear and 51 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 99. Right now, it's clear and 84. In sports, Cubs lost their third straight to fall into the Astros down in Houston 6-4. White Sox were off. They'll host the Guardians tonight at 7-10, guaranteed rate field. And it was the Diamondbacks beating the Athletics 5-2. Lastly, the NBA draft lottery is uh, tonight. The Bulls have a 1.8% chance of getting the number one pick. Uh, the teams at the top of the draft lottery odds are the uh, Pistons, Rockets, and Spurs, all who have a 14% chance at landing the number one pick. Chief. Um, what's the story with uh, if they don't get in the top four, they lose their pick back for whence it came or something? Yeah, so as part of the trade uh, with Orlando to get Vooch, um, they uh, gave up a first-round pick, but it's top four protected. So right now the Bulls are projected to have the number 11 pick, which will go to Orlando. But if they do you know, win lottery odds and get into the top four, then they get to keep that pick. And do they have to give them something else, or do they just keep the pick? I think, I think their, uh, kick, their pick uh, kicks down another year. Okay. So, so, so Orlando is still going to get their pick eventually, but it's top four protected. Um, we have Joel? We do. You do. You Joel, do. Give, Joel, give me one second because we have a, a, a text here. Uh, it says the party in power is the one that ref- refuses to negotiate. You know, it's funny. Whatever side you're on, it's always the other side. That I would say that if, if Joe Biden walked into the room and uh, he said, you know, Mr. McCarthy, you're right. A couple of these spending bills, there seems to be too much money in there. I've been going over them the last few weeks, and I could pull $300 billion out of the last two but you got to do me this, that ridiculous corporate tax cut that you Republicans put through down to 21%. I think we should nudge that back up to 24 Do we have a deal? But McCarthy would go white. His face would go ashen white if, he, if, he, if, if Biden proposed that to him. I don't know, Chief. I mean, this just goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I mean, it's going to get done. It's going to get done. The deal's going to get done. So if you're worried about the market, you're worried about other things, then get out of the market. This deal's going to get done. I think so, too. And, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just sick. I'm sick and tired of hearing about it. It's going to get done. Well, that's, it's going to be the news. They're going to do their posture. They want to get paid. They want to get paid. Those but how many, more, how many more days are we going to have, like yesterday, that during the day, oh, no, the deal looks close and everything runs up, 
Now today, not so close, and we're going to run down at least for a little while. I mean, how many how many more days are we going to have to endure this aggravatingly? I don't know, Chief. I don't know. I mean, oh boy, oh boy. Let's talk basketball. Yeah. What, what do you What do you what's think? That, what, what's that guy's name? Uh, Victor. What What was the nickname that uh, that Maddie had for for him? Well, his name is Victor Wembanyama. Wembanyama. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, he better have a nickname with that name. Yeah, so <laughs> pe- people call him Wemby or Big Vic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, he is considered to be the most can't-miss prospect since LeBron. And he's from I, where? I, I, yeah, France. I mean, he's unbelievable. He shoots threes. He is just, I don't know. I'm re- I mean, I don't get that excited about the NBA draft, but man, oh, man. Uh, I would love to see the Pistons get him. I mean, he looks like, I mean, fun to play that big and can shoot from the outside. I mean, he's a he's a game changer. I, I, I'm just, I'll be tuned into that draft. I guess the Pistons got a 14% chance, but um, holy mackerel. It, he is, he is a game changer. That should be, uh, should be exciting. Pistons need him, man. They, they had a number one pick a couple years ago. They got Cade. Cunningham, they were looking okay this year. Then he got hurt. Then they had that the worst record, I think, in the NBA. So, man, Pistons have been down and out for a long time. They could really use that guy. Many were, uh, I mean, your memories on this is way better. It was Jokovic, and who's the, the guard that's really, really good down in, was he on Dallas or whatever? Luka Doncic, yeah. Were, were those two guys that were, I don't even remember where they were drafted. Were they like all number ones, or they they were surprise guys? Um, Luka Doncic was a top five pick, uh, so he was not a surprise. Although you know there was a, a few teams that passed on him, so he wasn't a number one. Uh, I'm not sure where Jokic was drafted. I'd have to look that up. Because I mean, he looks I mean, he doesn't he doesn't look like he looks like a you know the, the Serbian guy that I knew uh, that played for their Serbian national team. Only he's five inches bigger. <laughs> yeah, Jokic, yeah. Uh, believe it or not, was a, a second-round pick, number 41 overall. Wow. Seven-foot-three uh, wingspan, 6'11 height, 284 pounds. The skill that he has, it's amazing that he fell to the second round. And the guy's totally ambidextrous. He's got a quick first step for a big man. He's he's tough, and he can pass. He's still only he's, 28. He's like he's like a Tom Borinkle that can shoot and, and has quick feet. He yeah. has that kind of yeah, passing, he, that kind of passing skills and uh, knows where to be, and yet he's just he just does his stuff. I mean, surprisingly, he's, he's he's pretty quick on defense. Yeah, it should be a good series. I mean, LeBron's really picking up that team by the uh, by the bootstraps, and uh, I know I kind of like Denver. I kind of got a soft spot in my heart. Don't like don't like Boston. So we'll see what uh, what happens in uh, in that series. But. Uh, Boy, oh boy! I I don't know. NBA is it's it's coming back a little bit, you know. It um it you know it wanes, but this year you know you got the stars and you know coming back. LeBron, I mean, one heck of a year if he could pull this off after two and ten start. Well, what, how many games? It? How many games did he play? He's, he's, he's turning into the Reggie Jackson as he aged. You know, he'd be take six weeks off before the World Series. But why not? Well, yeah, why not? I mean, who cares about a game in November this week? Yeah. Uh, well, what you did two and ten start is something that yeah. you keep an eye on. But uh, anyways, Chief, uh, just talk markets real quick, and then I got to yeah. hop. I mean, consolidation station. I mean, that's all I can say. This market is stuck. You option sellers are bringing it in, uh, trying to break above 4,200. You know, I'm S&P centric. That's the promised land. We can't do it. 
and we can't bust through 4100 either get uh, that you know last week's low light in that area so i don't know if it's the dead ceiling i don't know if it's you know what what other catalysts we got retail sales earnings i would just say um, you know, uh, if you're worried about the recession, you're worried about the consumer, the Home Depot earnings, a disaster. That's down 7 bucks. So uh, we're going to get some cues on the consumer, whether or not uh, they're starting to slow down. And then you can start talking about the R word. But uh, I got I to gotta hop. And uh, you guys. Uh, All right. Take care, bud. Back with you next week. Go blue. Yep. Uh, SP Futures down 6. NASDAQ Futures down 6.50. We got uh, Home Depot was down 10. Came back to only down 6. Now it's down 7. I did a spread in there. It was a little bearish. The stock, stock was... Uh, are we going to write to Kenny or we want to break? We can go right to him in, Why don't we just, in just a minute. Uh, but we have... Uh, I mean, it was uh, trading 287, and I did a 285 spread. Now it's 281.50, which I guess should be good enough. But um, it, it was pretty interesting. I don't know when Kenny comes on, I'll talk to him about some of the some of the time spreads. The spreads were actually... You could get the ones around the strike... Uh, cheaper than the ones further away. <laughs> like everybody was was gambling on kind of a big move, but that's hard to do because you got to. And I, I would have gambled on a big move as well, except how do you know which direction? I mean, there they analyzed the rub. The straddle was uh, fourteen dollars, which is uh, or it was like yeah, fourteen fifty or something. That's a that's kind of a real number. So actually, if you were a straddle seller right now, you're a winner of seven dollars. Well, you got to wait till Friday. Uh, but no, it was a, the straddle was fourteen bucks, which is kind of high in Home Depot. So that's a a five percent move. That's you know that's a lot for any company that big. Kenny, how are you? Did you uh, big? Were you a big straddle seller in Home Depot last night? A straddle was fifteen. No, bucks. I wasn't a straddle seller in Home Depot, but I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. All right. We did a a little spread in there. Uh, one of the one of the things I do, Kenny, and I you know I, I what the theory of it is, I I don't know. But the uh, I'm gonna say I don't know if there is any theory to it, but. What I do is I, I look at the straddle, and this is this is not any kind of advice. Don't do this at home. Only do it if you've been doing it for 40 years like me. Uh, and, and, and it's amazing how often it kind of does work and doesn't work. I mean, it's not like it. But you'll see a, uh, the straddle, say say a stock's trading 100. Yeah. The 100-hour straddle, which is the, the, the call and the put combined, which essentially gives you the market estimate of what they think the move is going to be. Okay, so yeah. yesterday the move in, in, or the straddle in Home Depot was about fourteen and a half bucks. Then I look at the the calendar spread this week to next week, and if the calendar spread is less than one tenth of the straddle, I'll I'll try and do a calendar spread, thinking that for whatever reason it's kind of mispriced, because if the straddle thinks they move this much, the time spread should be higher. And it's really bizarre, Kenny. If, if there's ten earnings on a day, that might be one or two. Like Home Depot, I got the straddle or I got the time spread for five percent of the cost of the straddle. I got the I got the time spread for seventy three cents, which, right. which doesn't mean I have any idea know where it's going to go. But I mean, on a relative basis, that's a good buy. Okay. Uh, yeah. But then you look at some other one, and the straddle will be two bucks, and the time spread will be, uh, you know, fifty cents. And you go, wait a minute, <laughs> that, that's twenty five percent of the of the straddle, and, and there's no rhyme or reason to them. And I, I mean, I don't get it, but but then you could have ones we did uh, last week. We had two work out real nice, and one we just got obliterated on. I mean, the Disney. A good thing I didn't pay very much. Disney, I think. Where the hell's Disney? Disney is uh, ninety two bucks. The stock was like one oh five, right? I did like the 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 one oh two, thinking I was bearish. I'm ten dollars yeah. away. I mean, boy, that would talk about 
they're 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 one that forty cents or whatever we spent for it. That that didn't hang in there a minute because that thing blew through the straddle. I'm going to say, can't even never stop talking. Most of the time in my career, and I, I would never give anybody this advice, but if you were a a straddle seller and had enough money to sell the straddle like one time, every earnings came out that at the end of the year you'd be up a lot of money, right? Yeah. And, but this the last nine months to two years, maybe two and a half years, I'm going to say for the first time in my career, you'd want to, you want it to be long all these straddles. I've never seen that before. So many, so many of these things have had a straddle of 10 bucks and the stock has moved 30. And what did, right. Meta, what did Meta move, like 40 or something? Yeah, it was a big move. I mean, I, I mean have you ever seen it where maybe, maybe you almost want to be long these things? I've, I've never seen that. Like in the last year, I think maybe you would have. I don't, I don't have any, any real... Uh, you know, hard and fast numbers on that, but just my suspicion. I don't, what do, you, do you think I'm nuts on that, or you, maybe you think you, or do you agree? No, no. I Listen, I, I you have much more experience in that world than I do, um, but I think you're spot on, right? I think you want to be long, uh, especially in this current environment, because, look, it, it, it plays out the way you just explained it, right? You would have won had you done all those things. And so, no, I don't think you're wrong at all. I think you're absolutely right. I wish we could go back and trade yes, last year's market. We'd probably be pretty good at it, eh? We knew where everything was going to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we could trade last year's market, that's all we need. Just <laughs> we, once. <laughs> even, we'd, we'd know right the part of the movie where John Wayne fell off his horse, and we know just where it was, right? We could bet on it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what did you, did you uh, happen to see? Was on, I think it was on Friday. Did you happen to see this this first solar, this FSLR? No, I, I I missed it. I know because I wasn't in my office on Friday, so I missed that whole thing. So let's talk about that. Well, I, from what I I mean, I I'm, I was doing a little bit of research on it, and this, they the only thing I could find on Investors Business Daily is they bought this uh, outfit in Europe, Evalor or something. Yeah, they, they bought them for uh, like eighty million dollars or something. Not a lot of money. I mean, well, it's yeah. a lot of money to you or me, but it, it's a lot of money. The stock was up forty dollars, and they got a hundred million shares. Up. So they 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 buy this place for eighty million bucks, and their their uh, value of the company went up by like four hundred and thirty million on the same day. There, there's yeah, I, how do you, we I, ever I made a buy that like whole, that? That's a buy. Yeah, I missed that whole uh, that whole move uh, on Friday because I wasn't here. I heard about it. We we're talking about it, but I missed the whole thing. I have to go back and look. I don't own the stock. So I have to go back and look at it. But how, how do you go out and buy an old car for a hundred thousand bucks, and all of a sudden your net lick goes up two million? <laughs> well, I don't know. There has to be something in that old car that everybody yeah, you, you wants. What, what, did, this, did this place have a gold vault there that nobody knew about, or what? I mean, I, I'm sitting there going. I, I kept looking at the story. They had to pay more than eighty million for it. I mean, how, how do you pay eighty million for something that the world thinks is worth five hundred million? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. We should have done that. Why did we get a loan and do that? <laughs> <laughs> no one gave me the heads up. Oh, God. So what do you make of all this? We just talked to I mean, Joel's of the conv- of conviction. This is yet another, you know, ridiculous thing in Washington, and we're going to have to go through, oh, they got a deal, and they don't have a deal, but at the end of the day, it'll be yeah, a deal. Yeah. Well, listen, how many times have we seen this? It is a ridiculous thing. We all know they're going to raise it that soon. They're not going to default on any U.S. debt. You know, what they'll do is they'll make it very dramatic, and they'll, they'll threaten to cut Social Security payments or military payments, or they'll threaten, you know, all this stuff that'll get everyone riled up, but they'll never say, well, well, listen, let's just pull back, let's not send $100 billion to Ukraine this month until we get our, ourselves settled out, right? They'll never do that, but they'll threaten Americans with with uh, uh, non-payments and all that stuff and create all this hysteria. I think it's baloney. I think it's all, you know, it's all uh, uh, 
uh, histrionics. They'll they'll take it right to the eleventh hour, and then they'll come up and they'll pat themselves on the back and look what a great job we did. We fought so hard, blah blah blah, all that baloney. Kenny, so, when when was it that I, we actually? When was it when they did? It had to be in the summer, because that's kind of when this thing comes up. But they didn't we have Maddie, during Maddie, Obama? Maybe, during Obama? Oh, okay. Where were they? They actually closed the national parks and yeah, exactly right. They closed the national parks. They furloughed government workers. They even, I think, if I remember correctly, I also think they stopped making, they stopped paying uh, people in the military as well. And then you know, once they passed the debt ceiling, then everyone gets their retro pay. That's fine, except all the pressure and difficulty that you put those people through when you're not paying them, right? Because you're trying to make a statement. It's bullshit. You and I both well, know that. Well, but, but it's, I don't like the idea where you give the guys the military. Obviously, they don't get off. But the guys in the no, National Park, the guys in the National Park were actually off for a month and they got paid. Of course not. But the, but but all it does is when you don't pay the military, all it does is it put it creates hysteria and drama and it puts yeah. pressure. On, you know, everyone, everyone calls their congressman. How can you do that? You better make a deal. And so you know, it creates all that hysteria. So I, I'm not playing this. I, listen, it's great pull up the popcorn because it's a great show to watch all the drama. But uh, in the long term, you and I both know this does not price stocks. What prices stocks is what the economy is going to do, what the Fed's going to do, what the data is telling us. But this this whole debt debacle does not price stocks. It creates opportunities because you know if people start to get really nervous that the U.S. is going to default on its debt, which we don't do, um, th- then you know names will get dislocated because people will panic. But that provides an opportunity for you and me, for the long term investor, especially in names that are you know that are that are solid fundamentally strong names that are you know are only dislocated because of, of nervousness. So I think it's I think it's an opportunity for me, but I think the whole thing is baloney. But you can be, as we both know, you can be a fundamentally strong name and be priced way too high. Yeah. Well that's true. You can you can be. Those are the ones you have to watch out for, right? I mean you have to know if if, if that's the case, but that's a matter of just doing your homework, right? Well I mean I, that- I I don't know. I mean the there's there's people right now and I think maybe you're you're one of them and uh, not accuse you of anything, but I'm saying you, you've had a big disconnect in the market between uh, the narrowness of the, the old Fang stocks and the rest of the market. Now, and there was a, a dude on uh, CNBC, your old station. I, he was talking about I don't know which one it was, Kenny, but it was, it was either Apple or Microsoft. Maybe it was both of them. Where he talked about okay, they've been rallying. Where at this price they were a 18 PE, and then they were a 19, and now they were a 20. And now one of them, which I don't know which one it was, was Microsoft at a twenty-two or something. Maybe and I get a, one of one of them. He had like two or three stacks up there. And he's like, this is as high as it's ever been. I mean, at some point you got to say to yourself, there's no, is this thing really going to go to thirty? I mean, if you're talking about a rally from here, you at least got to understand what you're talking about. You're talking about, you know, high PEs. I mean, with the economy slowing down, where exactly are they going to get this incremental revenue and stuff? And I mean, I, they're, they're, I mean, I, I, I actually, well, when I say I love Microsoft, they're, they're the most, they're the biggest monopoly around. I mean, it's, nobody talks about them because the other guys are worse. They've broken every, every, and I trust rule there is about a hundred times. But as a company, I like them a lot. I, I don't know that I like them at all at three ten. Well, okay, that's true. But if you already own Microsoft, which I do, yeah. I'm not necessarily buying it up here. But if Microsoft should come under pressure because everyone's panicking and the algos need to, you know, they go into panic and big asset managers need to raise money, where do they go? They go to the big mega cap names that you can raise right. a lot of money 
very easily. You hit the sell button, boom, you raise a lot of money. But that does, at some point, arbitrarily dislocate it. So could it go from 310 or wherever it's trading right now down to, you know, 270, 280? It could if it gets panicky enough, right? Yeah. And at that point, I think you have to look at it, right? I'm not saying if it goes down two bucks or three bucks. I'm saying it's going to be a, 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 you know, decent percentage move like you saw, you know, uh, earlier in the year when you saw, um, uh, uh, Apple, you know, it was down 18%. And it was going, oh my God, Apple's down 18%. I'm going to sell my Apple. Are you kidding me? That was a huge buying opportunity in Apple for the long-term investor. So it, it's interesting is, yes, you have to do your homework. If it's overpriced, then it's overpriced. Then you don't run in for it. Like, I'm not buying Microsoft here because I already own it, and, but it's it's out, of, it's out of line for me. If it comes back in, then I'll buy more. What's uh, a little, little bit of a personal question, but an, an investment question. And because uh, I've often said, you know, pretty dumb uh, statement, but I think it's actually pretty correct. If I had a dime for everybody who didn't make a trade because of the tax consequences, I'd be a very wealthy man. Uh, if, if you, if there was no tax consequences, and I can ask you where you bought it, I'm, I'm assuming you bought it a less, lot less than three ten. And when you say yeah. you already own it, if there was no, say you had fifty thousand shares of it, you probably don't. But if you did, I hope you do. Uh, yeah. Let me ask you this. If there were no tax consequences, would you say, eh, you know, at 310, I'll, I'll drop down to 40,000? Um, yeah, but listen, in, uh, yes, because that's a matter of just trading around a core position. So maybe you want to, just like the big asset managers do, if you've got, if you own 50,000 shares, you, you want a core position of 40, you can play with 10,000 shares all day long. You, when it gets too high, you want to sell it, it comes back in, you buy it right back, but you maintain your core position. Right. So yeah, it's not necessarily the wrong thing to do, and I would advise people that, that it is. Now, in my case, it's all in my tax advantage account, so I, in fact, I don't have any tax consequences, okay. right? Do that. Um, I don't have any tax consequences. So, yes, I might peel off a little bit, but keep a core position because I always want to own right. it. Oh, I get it. I think at the moment it's gotten it, it's gotten a little bit uh, it's gotten a little bit you know overdone on the upside. You know, if you sell ten percent or whatever your number is going to be, knowing that you're going to keep the other as your core position, and then what comes back in, just buy it back. Yeah, I don't have a problem doing that. Um, but for the most part, if I own it. And that nothing has changed fundamentally. That I'm going to own it, keep owning it, and going to keep owning it. Why? Well, because I've got to. Because this gets. Well, I mean, this might be some of the listeners might be in this boat. Uh, I have some clients, uh, Kenny, and actually talking to others uh, that are you know a little up there in age, and they have core positions and stuff. Maybe they worked at the place or something. Yeah. Uh, where their stack, say, say it's trading two hundred or something like that. Just pick a yeah. round number. Their their basis from when they got it, maybe when they left the company, is like ten dollars. Yeah, I know it's way way low. It's it's really something. And yet, if if you can somehow protect it, you know, maybe with some, you got to be real careful on the call side because if one gets called away, you got a problem, right? Uh, so you have to make sure you deliver short. Anyway, way too technical for most people, but uh, you, you protect it. But the difference between that person um, having to selling that stock and paying tax on say 190 versus yeah. being able to keep it have it go up have it stay here maybe me get some puts if it goes down you don't lose all that dough and, and, and then when you croak <laughs> pass on uh, giving, giving it to your kid at the step up basis the difference in tax treatment is incredible 
mean, you're way too yeah. young to think about stuff like that. But, but I'm saying, let me get this straight. I'm I'm 90. If I got another 10 years, like I'm I'm real happy. I guess I'm pretty healthy. I mean, the world don't get any better if that's the way you are. Let me see. If I sell this stuff right now, I owe Uncle Sam, you know, God knows how much of this. But if I could just make it to 90, I could pass it on to my son Matt here at, at 200. What a deal! That's right. That's right. And you'll pass it on to him at 200. You'll be very happy because you will not have sold it. You'll pass it on. He'll be happy because now he owns it. Yep. Right. Maybe. Hope he's not. Hope, hope he's not happy. I finally croaked. <laughs> I finally got my stock. <laughs> I don't think Matty'd feel that way about me. But, <laughs> but you, you, you never know. <laughs> You're nuts. You're nuts. <laughs> but uh, so you think at the end of the day? I mean, how many more days? I mean, yesterday was a nothing day. And all of a sudden, the rumors were that we're going to have, uh, you know, that these guys are talking. A deal, so, right. Yeah, so and we so creep up all afternoon on this morning between the Home Depot, like, laying an egg, and uh, these guys going, uh, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe we don't have a deal today. Now we're sneaking the other way. How many more days well, do we have to endure this? And listen, you're going to have, yesterday you had three Fed heads speaking, two of them on one side of the fence of uh, they want to pause. Uh, Kashkari on the other side of the fence say not yet. Today you're going to have three more Fed heads speaking. So there's going to be lots of kind of conflicting uh, uh, headlines out there, right? Whether it's Home Depot headline, whether it's a debt deal, whether it's uh, the Fed. So I think you're going to have to, we're going to have to deal with this until uh, the first thing is they, they get the uh, they get the debt thing done. And look, that may not be June 1st. They keep saying June 1st. It's not June 1st. You and I both know that. They could probably push it. There were articles over the weekend. If they had to, they could push it out until August. So who are they kidding? Um, so uh, until until we get clarity on that, we're going to have this very tight trading range. I think it's going to we're going to be held in check by not only that, but as well as uh, uh, the Fed. Right? What's the Fed going to do? Pause. They're not going to pivot. Are they going to pause? They're going to hike. They're going to pause. They're going to hike. That's going to go back and forth as well, and that's going to continue to kind of keep the market uh, in check, one way or the other. I think if they make the debt deal, if they come out, and they say, "Oh, we reached a deal," that will be bullish because that will have taken some of the uncertainty away. Um, and we'll at least have a little pop, and then it'll focus once again back on the data and on the Fed and on interest rates and on inflation. But right now, until we get through that, you know, it's all kind of noise all around us. Yeah, I don't know. The Fed, I, uh, we'll let you go here, Kenny, but next week let's talk a little bit. I, I wonder if these people, I listen to them talk, and of course, they're, who knows, I've been writing their speeches, but I don't think they have any clue of what they've done to every man. I mean, I, I, I was in Michigan City in Portage this weekend just observing. I, all I did was see people that will never own a new car. <laughs> never right. own, I mean, I I don't think they have any idea what they've done to people. I, no, I I agree. I agree. I don't think they do either. It's pretty scary. Anyway, Kenny, take care of yourself. Have a nice week. Uh, enjoy enjoy yourself down there. Stay away from the hurricanes if they're coming. They're not yet. SP Futures sure. down six. SP Futures down four. Be right back. Professor Helsnar. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. 
Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right here, right now, right here, right now. There's something happening here. Lone Rope Ace, thanks for joining us on tomorrow. We're on the board. SP Futures down five, Nasdaq Futures down three. We're leaking just a little bit, not uh, not that much. Uh, do we have the professor? Good morning, Tom. How are you? I'm doing good. The uh, I'm gonna. Um, how are things in uh, New York, or Brooklyn? Uh, well, I, we never. I've never spent a spring in New York before. I've I've had a fall in New York before, but I've never had a spring here. My wife's from Brooklyn. And we always came during the heat and humidity of the uh, summer or the chilling, bone cold winters. But I tell you, the spring in New York is—it's been fabulous. I mean, the trees are all green, the trees are flowering. It's really beautiful. Well, good for you. They have—they have, they have trees there. Well, my my in-laws—we're staying with my in-laws right now. Um, but they have this really big detached house, like four levels. Really, and um, they have a driveway and a garage, and a, they actually have a backyard in a pretty, it, you know, it's in a part of Brooklyn that probably used to be maybe an upscale neighborhood, you know, hundreds of years ago, where the rich of the rich lived. Now they live out in the Hamptons, right? Yeah. So they have this uh, tree-lined street um, between the New Kirk and the Cortellu subway stations, and I jump on the, uh, I jump on the uh, the B or the Q. I go to Decalb Avenue. I walk four feet across the platform, jump on the R. I'm in downtown Manhattan, where the college is, and I'm I'm there in about thirty minutes. And actually, I love it because in Utah, I got so sick of the traffic. Felt like has really bad traffic. You know, you'd be stuck in traffic for twenty minutes. It almost got as bad as New York traffic. So I love not being in the car. I don't mind the you know the the weird things that happen on the subway, like a a woman screaming at you. <laughs> God. Walk around getting in, in people's faces about six inches from their faces and just screaming nonsense at you. I used to have my headphones on. I just kind of ignore it like everybody else now. <laughs> God. What's but a, it's, it's, it's quite lovely in, this, in springtime. So what if you wanted to go on a, a girl, Jessica, went out there. She noticed that she was staying in Brooklyn, and her, one of her friends she wanted to see was also in Brooklyn. The only way to get there was go to Manhattan and come back out. You can't can't get up and down in Brooklyn by the subway, can you? Yeah, the subways all funnel everybody to Manhattan. Right. That's one of the problems with it. It funnels everybody to Manhattan. And what I, my brother-in-law is a, a subway savant. You know, he's uh, he rides subways. He doesn't drive. And he was telling me that they have a system set up where if you get off in the Times Square area, you can reboard uh, for free. I think within a certain time period. And that's not the case 
um, that I'm aware of at any other part. And it seems like Staten Island, all the policies are skewed kind of against them because it costs money to get going to Staten Island no matter which way you're going, I think. So, um, well, you got the bridge. I think what you, gotta, that does is, you can only get there yeah, by bridge or ferry. There's no subway. Yeah. Um, like, for example, some of the bridges um, to the other boroughs, you're not told. But I, I think the last time we were on it, we were told going on to Staten Island from Brooklyn. And then we were told going on to Staten Island from uh, New Jersey. So well, you, think, you only pay one I, way, but you pay like double because they assume yeah. you're coming back, right? Yeah, <laughs> which I, is I, I think you, I think you're paying I think you're paying tolls to go over the Verrazano Bridge, and then you're paying tolls to go on to Gothels. Yeah. So well, because because you're cheating, you're supposed to come back yeah. over to Verrazano if you you know whatever. Yeah. But I think they have the tolls set up in a in a way where they don't want the tourism on Staten Island; they want all the tourism in Manhattan. Well, and so Manhattan is this huge competitive advantage to the other why boroughs. would a tourist ever go to Staten Island just for just for just for a question yeah. <laughs> to see the dump what do you, what do you go there for anyway the uh well the one of the guys in the Godfather the one mafia guy one of the five families from Staten Island wasn't he when they had the big meeting. yeah my, my brother-in-law is really in on that uh he's a Haitian uh of Haitian descent and him and I have some interesting conversations but he's really into the uh like the uh, New York you know Italian Oh, yeah. Mob kind of movies. You guys are really into that stuff. Oh yeah, well, it's New York was a tough town, you know. So was Chicago. I'm, I'm into I'm into talking about Idaho potatoes, and he's into talking about his Idaho potatoes, the New York mafia. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, we were, we were talking about economists earlier, um, and it comes down to this this debt ceiling thing, and uh, uh, and I was trying to, well, I guess trying to, no matter which side of this you're on, the the other side has a point, you know, uh, maybe a point in the top of their head or something, my mother used to say, but they have a point. And it, it, to me, it, a lot of it drops back down to uh, the economic theory that has really let, when I say these guys, the politicians and the Fed, I mean, to me, you know, for one, well, the people I learned from, all this stuff is really cut and dry now. I mean, it's really cut and dry in, in, in terms of monetary policy, in terms of fiscal policy. But the idea from and who's the who's the little little guy that talks his mouth off on CNBC? He's from uh, is, he, is he from Harvard or not from Harvard? He's from uh, whatever the big business school is out there. Uh, begins with a W. What the hell's that one? Uh, I don't know. He's a, uh, what's what's Penn's business school? Wharton. Yeah, he's from Wharton. Wharton. I think. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Siegel, the guy. He, he's on it, and all they, they're constantly espousing these economic platitudes that you know don't worry about deficits. Because as long as you're growing three percent, and your and your money's only, your debt's only growing two point nine, all's good. And it's just a few years down the pike, you're going to be fine. Uh, that, in theory, I guess a third grader could do that. Hell, but when is when is a a bill? When is a tax? When is anything ever? You can believe any of this stuff from any of these people. I mean, the, they say we're growing at at three to four percent. We're probably growing at one, maybe. And they claim yeah. the expenses are growing at two percent, and they're growing at eight, probably. I mean, the, when you, when you put the the narrowness of we're doing okay definition with the fact that you can't believe anybody anywhere, to me it looks to me like we're, we're the, the deficit's going up three four percent a year, and it's supposed to be going down. Um, when I say deficit, well, the uh, the total debt. Well, for some economists, uh, Republican debt is horrible, 
But a Democrat debt yeah. is never big enough. Right. And that's what Paul Krugman was saying during the Bush administration. He was talking about how horrible deficits were and how big the debt was getting under Bush, right? Which I agree with him on. But when, when Bush was replaced by Obama, he could have cheerlead enough on yeah. the debt. Yeah. The deficits aren't big enough and they can be much, much bigger. To me, that's just politics. And when economists engage in politics like that, they've stopped being economists and they're just politicians. Well, the uh, Republic- lobbying for the next job. Well, the Republican person, I mean, not everybody, I mean, I don't want to generalize, even though I just did. Uh, they're pretty much blind, and so are some of the, the Democrats. Oh, yeah. They, I, I agree 100%. If, if you, yeah. want, if you yeah. want to make a Republican yeah. person go white, yeah. all you have to do is say, you know, our last four presidents have all doubled the deficit. And they go, yeah. what do you mean? I go, well, Bush doubled it. Yeah. I say the deficit, the national debt. Obama doubled it. Trump, now he had the COVID issue, but he also was well on his way to doubling it in only four years. I mean, yeah. He didn't quite double it because he only was there four years. And now this guy's fully on his way of doubling it in his eight years. He might triple it. In his yeah. whatever eight years, God, God help us. Uh, yeah. Yet it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the, the, yeah. the Republicans go in there and they cut taxes to their friends, which and they say this is going to come back in spades, and it never does. And then the, Repub- the Democrats come in and they parcel out people that they think voted for them. And they say, don't worry, it's going to come back to us in spades, and it, it never does. Well, I think the problem with both politicians sets up the, the, the policy – the policy problems with the Democrats and Republicans is that uh, we can't make things permanent. What I'd like to see is uh, my mother-in-law, who votes Democrat, she she goes, Hal, why don't we just have one tax rate for everybody? And I go, well, Mom, I don't think that would – I don't think any Democrat in the state of New York would agree with that. But she was saying, let's just tax everybody at 15%. And, I, you know, I was like, yeah, I agree with that. But the problem with that is – you can't bind a future Congress to it. So that's why the supply-side school of economics doesn't work. Because, you know, Republicans come in, they, they might uh, shrink the number of uh, income thresholds to three, and they might lower the rates. And then, you know, if that was made permanent, it'd probably work. But the next time they lose to the Democrats, the Democrats come in and they change it. So the problem with the supply-side school of economics is in order for those supply-side tax cuts to have any kind of supply-side effect, they have to be made permanent where they can't be changed. And that's just not possible. And well, that's it's why also, it, it gonna, doesn't work. I'm going to uh, maybe have your mother-in-law, and I'm, I'm going I'm to debate her, her the idea that there should be a flat tax. Because it, I think people who say that, just like when the, uh, the people on TV will talk about it, you know, people say that on CNBC once a day. Somebody will say, well, geez, if we just had a, a flat tax and we taxed everybody, uh, that all of this would be okay, and why should somebody not... Well, when, when you say something like that, and you're... And pardon my French here. You, you're being an idiot because you really need to look at the full tax that people pay. And if you look at the full tax that people pay, I mean, our country is kind of different than a lot. I mean, in, in Mexico, you pay one tax, and they give it back to the like the cities or something, but here, the you had the federal income tax is two point five trillion dollars. The payroll tax is one point five. Now the payroll, everybody that is a flat tax, right? Nobody pays. Well, I think I, I think it's capped though at certain income levels, uh, right? So it's getting getting more and more that it isn't. Yeah. But I'm saying, and now you're, but now you're, 
the biggest chunk actually well it's not anymore but it was well you got to remember a guy like Warren Buffett's not paying uh his his uh he's paying capital gains tax so he's not paying uh he's getting, payroll he's, taxes he's getting his salary someplace yeah so whatever well, it I is think he may, I think I think his salary is like a hundred thousand okay but he's, he's paying social up. security yeah. he's paying Medicare and that my point is yeah there, there there is a flat tax component to all this I'm talking about if you look at the amount of tax the amount the total tax in the country is let's see 2.5 1.5 so let's say that's that's four. 2.3, that's 6.3, and another 1.2. What I'm saying is the income tax is 2.5, your payroll tax is 1.5, your state revenue, and most of that stuff is flat tax, right? Your state revenue is as big as the income tax revenue. And your local revenue, which is probably flat as well, except for the houses, but if they don't care how much money you have. If you buy a house of a certain, of a certain amount, you're paying the same amount, right? It's not, there's no income component. So out of there's 2.5 federal income tax that is this part that some people allegedly don't pay, but they're still paying 1.5, 2. They're still paying another six. So yeah, but then, then if you add on to that, all the compliance costs. Yeah, yeah. The cost of compliance with this very convoluted and complex tax code, the taxes are actually higher than people pay. But, but to say that somebody, my brother did this calculation for me, I'll ask him to do it again. If you have a family of four that have a or uh, even, a, a, say, a smaller house, you don't pay a dime to the federal government and, and income taxes until you make... And Maddie, what did he say? Was it 45, 48, something like that? We did this. might be a little higher now. But that doesn't mean you're not paying any taxes. Yeah. At oh, all. No, yeah. I mean, by any by any stretch. So, yeah, I did a tax exercise with my students at A&T State University, and uh, I just uh, told them, well, I'm going to uh, kind of hypothesize here. This is for a family of, like, say, three... This is their income, and we broke out every tax they're going to have to pay if they were in this situation. And it was quite shocking how much tax that that family paid. It's, it's been like 15 years since I did that exercise, and it's probably one of the funner things I, I did. And I, I don't know why I don't do it now. Uh, maybe I'm just kind of like gated. Well, I mean, <laughs> very cynical. If, you, if you were to take, I used to when I lived at 70 West Hern, and my mother was still alive, and I'd take her out to breakfast every Saturday, so I. We wander down there at 7.30, and I get my coffee, and there's this same uh, street dude, black guy, nice guy. I always talk to him. And he would make, um, I'm going to say, 25 hours out on the street at night. You know, guys give him a buck or two before, you, before you're worried about getting shot for the poor guy. Uh, yeah. And he'd get uh, a quart of Coke, two bags of Doritos, and 20 lottery tickets. Well, that guy's marginal tax rate was higher than anybody's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Right, so... But I mean, if you if you pay a guy, and if you deduct it, of course, if you don't, I guess you can still be. Well, we still have cash in the society. Yeah, the lottery is one of the highest. Uh, that's a that's a pretty high tax rate, depending on what the Powerball is like, at, right? It's like sixty yeah. percent. They only pay out forty. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like sixty. But anyway, and then if you win, they take fifty percent. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, thirty-five or whatever the top is, thirty-nine. Well, state and state yeah, and federal, yeah, right? Yeah, it'd be fifty. So if if a guy comes by and and, and Shovels your snow for you know five days in a row. If you get a blizzard, and say you got a real big place, you give the guy six hundred dollars cash. You're supposed, to, in theory, if you gave him a hundred bucks, he's supposed to send fifteen dollars into the government. It's fifteen yeah. percent, which is that's starting out. Hell, that's, that, that's yeah. not including the that's not including the if he goes to buy a beer later or a six six pack or God help him if he buys a pack of cigarettes. If he has a car and has to put gas in, it. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I. 
I did a study. I should probably do it again. I in Illinois when the when the when the when the, the uh, minimum wage was ten bucks. Everybody's talking about it with the COVID. All these guys are sitting on the sofa and so forth. And I did a calculation. Of course, this is how long ago it was. I said he could go out and buy a car for five grand. You you couldn't buy you know a car that doesn't run now for five grand. But it, so say you bought the car for five grand and your uncle gave you the five G. And, and said, "I'll pay your insurance and gas." For the guy to pay the tax on the car sale. Now, every time the car trades, they want a sales tax on it, even though the car could trade ten times. How many times you get a tax on the same damn car, right? So, okay, you pay your sales tax, which is ten percent or whatever. I went to the title, the city sticker, the parking thing, uh, state plates. I, I was up to like uh, six hundred bucks. So yeah. the first 60 hours the guys worked went to the state for just... So when people say those people don't pay income taxes, okay, fine. But you're, you're really wrong. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah. I'm just saying. Um, yeah. But what, what do you... Well, New, York, New York is proposing uh, congestion pricing. They want more people in Manhattan, right, on one hand. And on the other hand, they're saying, we don't want more people in Manhattan because we don't want more cars in Manhattan. We want fewer cars in Manhattan. But they want more people in Manhattan. Right. And they're proposing a congestion pricing. They were supposed to roll it out this year on the, the tolls into New York City. And they're not going to... It's only it's only into Manhattan, certain parts of Manhattan, right? But what that's going to do is the people coming in from out of state, New Jersey or Connecticut, they're probably going to park the car and drive a lot more in the outer boroughs and then jump on the subway and then ride into Manhattan. Right, right, right. Or they might just stay out altogether, or they might they might get around that uh, congestion pricing by going to Manhattan earlier in the day and find a place to park, right? So I, I think people are going to substitute around it. I think in in general it'll probably end up reducing the number of people in Manhattan, which will mean less revenues for the businesses in Manhattan, which are already hurting. And I can see all the people that work outside the state. That my mother-in-law tells me about doctors that live in Pennsylvania, and they'll come into New York City to work for like three days, twelve-hour shifts, and they'll go back to Pennsylvania. There's a lot right? of that. So, yeah, there's a lot of that going on. If you if you do this congestion pricing, and you jack up the the tolls even more, you're probably gonna get more people just saying, "I'm not gonna go there," right? And then you're gonna have a problem with. So you're going to have an even bigger shortfall in revenue. You're going to have a bigger shortfall in tax revenue. You're going to have a bigger shortfall in, in, in sales that are happening at all these businesses that are still haven't recovered from the pandemic. So it just – and then you look at Miami. So we're getting Milton Freeman's – people will vote with their feet experiment that's happening right now. Yeah. You have Miami. I, I mean, I, I saw this video of Miami, and I'm like, whoa. I mean, it looks pretty incredible. And he got – Businesses like in Chicago, I think the the uh, what's his name Tusk uh, or Citadel Citadel's yeah. moving. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Citadel moved already. Yeah, yeah, but the one that runs the stock exchange in Chicago, New York. Oh, CME, yeah. CME. Oh, they're they're. Don't get me started on those guys. But uh, yeah, well, they're saying if if this new mayor uh, makes good on his promise of, of having this transaction tax, he might be moving. Yeah, well, I think you'd probably end up We float this fran- transaction tax every once in a while, and uh, yeah. it never really kind of goes anywhere because it's, Well, because you know, I think the people 
do have a brain and they say one thing on TV, but if they do pass that kind of a tax, I think you'll see businesses say, look, this is just enough. The, 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 people, bad. the people here, the, the, the leadership in Chicago for the last however many years, I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I hope for this guy, I hope he's a quick learner. I hope he put some people around him. From what I've seen so far, I'm disgusted by the whole thing, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't think he's a point. He, he is. Yeah, I don't think he's a point. Well, I, don't know, I shouldn't say that. I, I, rumor has it he is not a point of a white person anywhere yet. Hmm. Well, that, that's kind of cutting the field down some, isn't it? In terms yeah. of talent, I mean. Uh, I, th- I think. I think it is. You know, but you know, I mean, I. You know, personally, if you want to. Uh, I mean, the, the Constitution says you're free to associate, and I consider uh, business associations. And if you want to be that, if you want to hire people in that way, that's your business. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to sell and hire people who I think I'm going to hire people who are going to help me deliver quality services. Yeah. Well, uh, products. I'm going to sell to everybody. I'm not going to sell to just black people or just white people well, the, because the, my competitors won't. The, 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 the one way discrimination is getting real old to me. Uh, I don't discriminate against anybody. Never will. I don't like it, kind of going the, going the both ways. But I guess what I'm saying is, it's all it's all about finding money we haven't got yet, and that that really belongs to us. Yeah. And whoever the us is, and it is, this goes to any administration. But it, I don't think they have an idea of where they're. I mean, downtown, they're they're they're, they're talking about maybe trying to attract new businesses. At the same time, they're saying they're ter- they're taking some of the downtown buildings and and turning them into public housing. Who in God's name is going to give you a twenty-year uh, lease on a, on a new law firm if the if the building next door is going to be public housing? I mean, and we know what happens in public housing. Yeah. We have decades of evidence of what happens in public housing and why they turn into slums. And I don't understand why history. Well, history tends to repeat, and repeated history repeats repeatedly. I mean, I don't think people learn lessons of history. I think the it, it's uh, amazing. One of the issues is is I'm not. I have some friends that are more into how this all works <laughs> uh, than me, uh, and I, you know, is is sinister and is is uh, you know maybe as suspicious as I become on a lot of this stuff conspiracy wise. I'm still not anywhere near what actually goes down. I don't, I don't think, Hal. I mean, if you, if you get financing and you put up a high rise, even if it's regular regular uh, rental building, you don't really care if the thing. Is a is a winner or a loser, as long as you end up with like the cable contract in the building or the or the security contract, you're going to get paid. Or if the phone the phone system is yours, you don't care if the building goes under. I mean, it's I mean, I I would never think that way. Yet a lot of people sort of really do, and that's why after the break, what I want to ask you. I had a long conversation yesterday uh, about some of the original Nixon proposals, meaning the negative income tax and things like that. And uh, I just wanted to talk to you at length cause, uh, about what all those plans were. Did they make any sense? Because obviously when things are going on here in Chicago and all the money's coming in, what percentage of it reaches the person it's supposed to get to, to me, is becoming a, a monumental problem. There's so many people in the pie, the community organizers this and this guy that. And not just on that end. It's the construction people on the other end. It's, this is not uh, a one-color issue. This is a... An issue all the way down the line. I mean, are we going to have a? I mean, we, we're we're talking about eleven and a half years of 
of traffic here in the city because we can only use one company. And oh, by the way, they're they're three years late on one project, and we give them the next project. You know, I, I mean, this is, I mean, you're 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 burying regular people by this money, and plus, Maddie, what was the overrun on the uh, burn interchange? Three hundred million or something? Yep, some massive number, and yet the same people get the next job at their own time. There's no there's nobody working Saturdays. There's no second shift. Yet right now, have you ever seen a place, Maddie, where you can't get from point A to point B like this city right now? A lot of stuff going on. I mean, you can't. You have you. I mean, uh, I assume you're taking the L home the few few days you've worked yep. during the week. If you try and drive to your place, God help you. I mean, if if you try, well, these big cities weren't made for this many drivers. Well, you say so. The fact that no one takes the trains anymore is is really causing a problem. But you you can't take twenty five percent or or forty percent capacity off the Kennedy at night going north. Every street, if you if drive home now, every street, Milwaukee, Clybourne, everything, everything is just total gridlock. It's, uh, did they raise the fares or is crime really bad there on the on the subway? No, the, you have the north side, the south side, of course, they have its own issues, but the streets are kind of bigger and so forth. But the Kennedy, you, you can't pull two lanes off the Kennedy. It's it's yeah it because it, there's there's no relief valve whatsoever. But to answer your question, there was major issues on the trains because of COVID. Yeah, and I think that was probably yeah. in New York too, and uh, and and a lot of people haven't gone back to the trains. And then you couple that with road construction on the expressways, and traffic is just the worst that it's ever been. Train ridership is is lower than ever, and uh, and and like Chief said, you're reducing lanes on the the major expressways and, and arteries in the city, and it's just become a nightmare. I I take the trains as much as I can, so I don't have to deal with it as much. But a lot of people have not gone back to that. Well, I, I, I what, what, what's the fare on the train for a given day? Well, the fare is not horrible. It's like two two okay. and a quarter, I think. Two and a quarter. Yeah, that's not too bad. But you see uh, the. There's been a big pickup on ridership on the Northwest Line that runs by the Kennedy, right, Maddie? The uh, the Northwestern Northwest Line, when it goes to Arlington, they've had a big pickup since the expressways had. It's, uh, but we're talking about this is the main artery, O'Hare. I mean, I but I mean, I, everybody knows, Hal. I think that stuff gets broken and you got to fix it. But eleven and a half years—that's kind of a while. A while, you know, what you think? I mean, it's if, if it's assume this gets done on time. Anyway, SP Futures down eight, and as if down sixteen. Again, we're we're back on that. We may not have a deal, uh, so we're going down here a little bit. Home Depot, which has been the big movers, down seven fifty. It was down eleven, and came back to six. Now we're at seven fifty, trading two eighty one. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is $7.99 
line on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Lower North Bay, Stocks and Jocks. I'm tomorrow. Matt Weber on the board. SP futures down six. Nasdaq futures down nine. We're down a little bit. Nothing, nothing crazy. We, we got the. Uh, Home Depot is down down 750. That was the big news this morning. The revenue, first time they've missed on revenue in 20 years. Uh, they're usually pretty good about that. And uh, they claim people are just spending less and the home home improvement projects are are getting smaller, they, uh, basically is what they said. Uh, and they didn't talk about it's going to improve anytime soon. Um, over in Europe, we've got the... Uh, we're, we're, we're uh, big across, when I say we're up across the board here, but not big at all. DAX up 27.1%, FTSE up 2, call that flat. Crack around up 3, call that flat. So they are positive, but uh, not by much. Nikkei up 216.7%, that's a pretty good move. Hang Seng up 7, call that flat. Shanghai down 19.6%, so not much going on over there either. But yesterday, we moved up pretty much all afternoon on, on news that the... Uh, uh, they were making some progress on the debt thing, and this morning they say, no, they're not. So what do we agree there? Uh, Dow up 48, S&P up 12, NASDAQ up 80. Uh, bonds up one basis point, 352, very quiet. The Bund down, down one basis point, 2.29. Japan down one basis point, 0. 0.40. Again, bond by markets real quiet lately. Uh, oil up 25 cents, 71.36. Brent up 22, 75.45. Natural gas up a penny, 2.38. Arbob uh, unchanged at 247. At gold down 1290, 2009, so trying to stay over 2000. Silver down 33 cents, which is a 1.4% move. That's a lot. 2396. Copper down 8 cents, 366. We've got Bitcoin down 338, uh, 27,070, in danger of ducking under 27,000. And the US dollar, let me get this chart off the page here that I uh, get on here talking about. Uh, we're down, dollar is up marginally. I would say it's a flat against the euro. It's down a little bit against the pound. I mean, it's up a little bit against the pound. The pound's down to 125. It was over 126, so a little bit of movement in the last couple of weeks, but generally right about these numbers. Eddie, what do you got for us? Traffic weather sports. 35 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. We have a crash uh, now on the tri-state southbound just before 
the I-290 Eisenhower that's blocking the left lane of I-294 on the southbound side. This is causing stop-and-go traffic uh, between those two expressways there, I-294 and the uh, I-290 Eisenhower. Uh, so keep that in mind if you're coming in from the western suburbs. Uh, no other accidents uh, on any of the expressways. That earlier crash on the Bishop Ford uh, down at Dalton is cleared, uh, but we are seeing uh, uh, lots of traffic congestion ramping up, as you would expect this hour uh, on a Tuesday morning. Uh, but no other accidents to report. Weather today, uh, clouds early. We will see some sunshine and temperatures will warm up significantly. Uh, we'll reach a high of 77 in the city. It'll be much warmer than that inland. And then we'll have a major uh, temperature drop this evening. Uh, they're talking about a 25 to 35 degree drop. Uh, in the evening hours from uh, the uh, upper 70s and low 80s down to the low 50s. Uh, so I guess that'll be good for sleeping, but it uh, would be uh, interesting if you're sitting outside somewhere. Uh, make sure you bring a jacket. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 99 today. Right now it's clear and 85. In sports, Cubs lost their third straight, falling in Houston last night 6-4. to four. White Sox were off. They'll host Cleveland tonight. That's a 7-10 first pitch down at Guaranteed Rate Field. And it was the Diamondbacks beating up on the A's 5-2. to two. Be a perfect afternoon to be like uh, in the bleachers, no shirt, couple of beers, eighty degrees, little sunburn, little a few beers in you, and all of a sudden it drops thirty degrees. Be cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> be fun to watch. <laughs> it's, uh, yes, uh, it's happened a couple of times. I don't think I've ever sat in the bleachers though. Have you? Many times. Really, I'm not. A, I was never a bleacher dude. I like I like the up up behind the grandstand. I like uh, I like both. Yeah, it's a um, yeah, the bleachers are, are fun because um, if you're coming with a group of people, you can always sit together, which is nice, uh, whereas that, c- that can be hard to do with when you're trying to get tickets individually. Um, but it's nice also to have a back to your seat <laughs> and yeah. to sit in the grandstand, so I like both. I'll bet it's better with the games 30. My guys were just there the other night. They said the beers are up to 13. Really? I haven't been to a game yet this year. That's a, that's a number. Um, what are they drinking? The fancy stuff? Whatever comes from the guy. They don't think they were going up and getting something. Yeah. Um, plus, it's all credit card. Yeah, it's been that way for a couple years. Um, I don't think it's. I think you can still pay cash some places. Yeah, I don't know. But the uh, the brother said he's passed his credit card down the uh, aisle, and at the end, the guy was putting a tip on it. <laughs> I don't know if that's a. Yeah, I just I had a, was mentioning the other day we we're doing some you know historical stuff. When I say historical stuff. Uh, there's there's always been somewhat of a debate. You know, the Democrats look for programs, and I'm going to say, you know, I'm in, in out of Chicago, we're looking for all this money in these programs in these areas, and uh, you sort of wonder. I, I know when I was a, a youth, and I was really young when when Johnson was, you know, put his the Great War on Poverty, and somewhere along the line, I don't know who it was said, you know, if you just would have divided the amount of money we spent. By the amount of poor people and sent them a check, there wouldn't have been any poor people. And you know, I, then there's moral hazard to that, I guess, because the drug issues weren't the same back then. Booze, booze, more of an issue. But um, then you had uh, got to be one of your heroes, Tricky Dick Nixon, uh, came out. Oh, he's not one of my heroes. But uh, well, actually, in some <laughs> ways, the guy was was very bright, and I, I remember studying his. Yeah, but the smarter somebody is, the more fearful we should be of them. Well, it's. it's uh, that's true. I mean, I, but I didn't. I didn't know that much the politics. I didn't know, you know, his whole. I mean, Wayne could come out and give you a chapter and verse about the people around him and so forth. But, but his. I thought his proposal for the negative income tax. I don't know if you've read any done any research on that whole proposal. It was, 
you know, whether or not I support it or not, I don't know, but it, it was amazingly well thought out. And his idea was, let's just get rid of all these programs, all these people with their finger in the pie at every level, and how much, how much it actually gets to the poor person. And let's just say if you made nothing, whether you're lazy, whether whatever you are, you send in an income tax saying, I made nothing, nothing, and I get a check for three grand. Now, if I piss it away, well, I guess that's on me. But, but if you made a hundred bucks, you're 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 not going to get a check for twenty nine hundred. You're going to get a check for twenty nine fifty. So, it's always going to be incremental for you to do something. And it was, I thought, as as a an idea, as as a plan. Now, who knows if I would, like I said, I'd really have to think about it before I supported it. But I thought it it really made a lot of sense other than what percentage of the war in poverty you think actually made it to the... I mean, a lot of people get rich all along the way. The only, is there only one program left of the war in poverty? It's Head Start. All the rest are gone. They all, they all were failures. But I'm sure a, yeah. lot of, a lot of middlemen made a lot of money. And we start talking about yeah. Chicago, Chicago now. We, we've got to go through the community off, uh, organizers. We've got to go through the preachers. Hey, screw them. I don't want to give them a dime. I mean, I'm being harsh with that. Get it, get it right to the person who needs it. I don't see those people in the middle. I mean, well, if you look at if you just look at Washington State, I did my dissertation with Washington State um, on uh, temporary assistance for needy families, that welfare reform policy that uh, imposed time limits and um, work sanctions. If you weren't working, you got a partial sanction or you got a full sanction, depending on how long you've been out with not complying with the work requirement. But in Washington State alone, there are sixteen thousand plus Department of Social and Health Service employees. And there's about 5,000 Department of Child Youth families, employees, right? So you got about 20,000 people in the state of Washington devoted to helping poor people, poor people, children, about 20,000 people. And the caseload, the total caseload in Washington state is in Tana, is 32,000 people. 32,000, right? So more than half. I mean, think about that. You got 20,000 people kind of running this program in Washington State, and you only have 32,000 people. And the people that are working for the state are probably doing pretty good because they probably have a pretty good state pension. Yeah, yeah. Their salary is probably pretty good. So um, if you look at families, uh, the number of families and, and the number of employees is probably about one for one. I just find that you, you can't have that kind of crazy. You, you can't have yeah. that. I mean, it's so maybe maybe what we should do is a negative income tax. I mean, it, it's got to be better than what we got now. Now, the people that are working for the state administering these programs are not going to like it because they're going to lose their jobs. So, well, and you, I don't you, think there's any. I don't think there's any uh, pressure politically to end these kind of programs because the people working in these programs probably vote for the people running the state. Well, you look at the um, uh, supposed shortage of labor. And, you know, I've, I've talked to people uh, that are in the, you know, those kind of business. My nephew's in the metal, metal business, and it's hard to find people. Uh, and, you know, Kevin says that they, they're constantly trying to educate people the new stuff, the new machinery stuff, the new routing, the new whatever, supply chain management. And you look around, and, and this has nothing to do on an individual basis. When you look at the people that are are essentially friggin' useless, 
And I would say out of those 20,000 people you're talking about, you could get rid of 10 of them and you wouldn't know the difference. I mean, one person per two family, if the guy got a job and gave half the money to the families, there wouldn't be a poor person there, right? Uh, I'm going to say that the entire TSA operation, granted, I don't want any planes to go down. 58,000 people? Really? Really? They, they, they could actually be making something? You know, I mean, I, I'm not saying get rid of the TSA tomorrow. I'm not saying, you know, it's some guy in a plane. But, I mean, we're talking about massive swaths of people that essentially don't do anything constructive, right? I mean, if you, if, if you look at what government does, you brought up TSA. What does TSA do? It Nothing. creates an incredible amount of inefficiency. It yeah. creates monopoly pricing for the businesses that have that um, license to sell product within the terminal, right? You get, you get, the, you get the monopoly pricing. You, you create this massive inefficiency. Nobody likes going through security. Uh, people that are that travel enough that make it high enough income can kind of bypass it. So the the system skewed to the people who can afford it. Oh, yeah. you know, richer people, right? And then you look at New York City. Poor people can't afford to drive into the city. No. And then once you're in the city, you kind of feel like you're trapped in the city because traffic getting out of the city or the price to come back into the city after you've taken a vacation makes you want to just kind of like you're stuck in the city, right? So you think about all this stuff that government does. It creates bottlenecks. It creates inefficiencies. It it, it creates make work. I, I don't think that all those, you know, I love the, uh, you know, I don't know the, the employees at the Washington State Welfare Office. I know a couple people that work at the Washington State Welfare Office. They're doing research. But like you said, are they really uh, improving people's lives? No. Are they, are they adding to the GDP in any meaningful way? Are, is their salary just like taking sand from the north end of the beach and then transporting to the south side of the beach? Well, if you're, I would probably, if, argue, if, if I'd the, probably argue with that. If the two TSA guys live next door to you and they get paid and they come and drink in your bar every night, then it, it, it recirculates to a certain extent. So I mean, it's not like it's totally useless. I mean, right? Yeah, but, economics... the, but, but still, that, that money was scooped up on the north side of the beach yeah. and distributed to the south side of the beach. So it doesn't really lift up but, but, the total yeah, amount of sand on the beach. Because, you know, as policy goes, because I'm kind of... and I'm, I really am hoping that the new administration here uh, does a better job, but we're trying to get people to come to work in downtown Chicago. But one of our mayors, Mayor Daly, who actually was an acquaintance of mine, uh, sells the Skyway. All right, so now to get from Indiana to here, it's 680 each way. Okay. Now, if is Skyway gonna, a helicopter service? No, it's a it's the road to Indiana. It's a, oh, it's, it's a, the road. It's, okay. It's a it's a high bridge over the Chicago River, hence the Skyway. Okay. Uh, it was okay. built in the 50s. Uh, so they they end up selling it to somebody. So okay, it's 1380, 1360 for the tolls. To park anywhere downtown, you know, unless you got a deal, is what, Manny? 30 bucks, 25 something like that, at least? Yep, at least. Uh, you talk about gas. All the roads are torn up. Um, so now you exp- – my, my point is when the, when the people that are in office come out of this community activist, you know, preacher, whatever, whatever group it is, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm saying I don't think – they learn enough about the city that I did in my one weekend going to Michigan. I'm like, who the hell can... can, can plus, the railroad's down four years because they're, re- they're fixing the railroad. They do have a railroad, but it's down. 
Okay, so how the hell are you going to attract these people to come here? If you all you do a day in their shoes, go there, come to work here, and go back and say, "What am I doing?" That this guy or somebody could work from home from a real nice new office in Portage, you know, right near the beach. And what, what are we competing with? Are we making it so difficult for people to get here, yet then we, we're convinced that they're going to be here and we're going to tax them? And by the way, they're, they're our livelihood. You can't be both. You know? I mean, the, the, lack of, the lack of planning. I mean, at some point, the people say, screw Manhattan. And I think maybe they've got the point. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they've reached that spot. Well, if you look at IRS data, you look at the, the wealth, the income that has left Chicago, California, yeah. and New York. It's going to places like Tennessee, Texas, and Florida. And I think we had a red wave in the last election. If you look at New York State, for example, we had a red wave, but because there are so many, there's so fewer conservatives living in New York State, they're not living in Florida. But if you look at, if you go by county by county, I tweeted this out. If you go county by county, Republicans, the increase in Republican voters to Democratic voters, was higher. So county by county, there was a red wave, but there's so much siloing going on with people voting with their feet. Uh, blue state people are choosing to stay in blue states. Red red, red uh, conservatives that were living in blue states are moving to red states. In order for there to be a change election, I think going forward, well, some it, of the, it has to be either blue tsunami or it has to be a red tsunami. Well, some That's of the, how much some self-sorting of the, there's going on. Either side is so... I don't know what the term would be. I don't want to be nasty. Is is so myopic. I mean, you look at the states that have the the cheapest taxes and stuff. Well, those are the, those are the states that all, you know. You know, I guess I'm tired of both sides. I've been ragging on the Democrats all morning, but Republicans, I'm 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 so tired of I, you know, I I walk I walk you know both ways to school uphill and against the wind both ways. I mean, come <laughs> on, give me a break. I mean, you look at the states like New Mexico. These people that have the, the, the a lot of the lower taxes. A lot of it's because they got so much government money there. I mean, New Mexico has their percentage of, of federal dollars spent there versus other stuff. Their amount of people on the federal dole, either pensioners or otherwise, is like way higher than any other state. And yet they think yeah. they, did it, they did it all themselves. No, you didn't. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, it's, at some point, let's. But I don't. Plus, I people who. I mean, look at how many people that you probably either don't know or whatever will flee to Wyoming. For their because they don't have an income tax, you don't want to die in Wyoming. They have the highest what is it like one of the highest state taxes for states. You look at these these states that people are going to. I don't even think they check the math. In five years, it's going to be every bit as expensive to live in Florida as it is here. Oh yeah, well you know you look at uh, Salt Lake, and I was really getting kind of sick of it. I mean, my son was in a, a karate class during, during a, a spring one year, and just to get to that karate class, which is only about maybe five miles from our house, we had to go through an hour worth of traffic to get him there. Yeah, and, and the traffic is just getting worse there. And there, and the state of Utah is like 80% federal land. So really the only place you can develop is along Interstate 15. From Ogden, Fremont, Utah down to Provo. That's pretty much where all the development is. It's probably about maybe 10 miles wide and it's probably about 70 miles long. And that's where majority of it is, and it's just so concentrated. And, there's, and I'm sure there's the tra- no there's no public transportation of any consequence. Well, they have they have the front runner, which is a train uh, that go a high well not a high speed train, but it's uh, it's basically like an Amtrak, but 
it goes basically back and forth from Ogden to Provo. And then they got what's called the tracks, which is the local uh, kind of like the subway system, but it's not subway, it's above ground. Okay. Which creates a problem because the subway will, uh, during the, the heavy part of the day, it's on ground level. So it backs up traffic onto the interstate because in, in Salt Lake, you have this grid system where you have east and west arteries and the subway coming through, the, the track station coming through, they'll, they'll shut down the, uh, and it runs along I-15. So when during the middle part of the day when we're at peak traffic, the subway is coming across these major east-west roadways that crisp, that uh, go perpendicular to the interstate system, and the traffic gets backed up on the interstate. Don't tell and you me can you be on a ramp. So you've got you've got grade crossings on this thing. Yeah, so you have to wait for the subway to cross, and it comes every ten minutes, and it just backs up traffic. They need to have that train above the road. Or they need to have it below the road. They didn't think that out very well. No. You can have uh, some parts of it. I'd love to design some of this stuff because we did some of this at Pullman. You can have your feeder ramps. I mean, in Chicago, there's no there's no thinking here. You could have a, a streetcar uh, run through. It, it takes so little space. You could have a streetcar run up a side street home at night and then the way in, go on the next street back. You only need one track. Yeah. You don't need much, and feed feed that into a, a once you reach to a certain point, hop onto the a rail which we have here in Chicago, hop on the rail, and then head downtown at fifty miles well, an hour. You know the same thing happens in Brooklyn too when you're getting on the BQE from Ocean Parkway. You have to go through Fourth Avenue intersection and the Third Avenue intersection. Well, you go through the Third Avenue intersection, then the Fourth Avenue section, and there's only one lane on the uh, BQE yeah. going into Staten Island. Why not have a ramp? That goes over the top of those two intersections. That is at least two lanes wide, and you alleviate a bottleneck. And you know the city's interested in reducing pollution, but you would have less pollution if you had this ramp going up to the BQE that bypassed well, those no, two you're, intersections. You're not, you're not going to get anybody to do. I was. Uh, I don't know what we got on city management here, but it's 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 all part of the economics. Uh, hell, you know, I mean, it's all it's all kind of the same subject. One of my I guess former friends uh, was on a board to run this train down to the south side, not not the red line expansion, but there's another one. Many I've ever told you about this. There's a train that they want to go through uh, east of the IC, through like Harvey and uh, uh, some of the streets on Dyer, like pretty close to the border in Indiana, because these towns have never been served by a train coming downtown. Well, the idea was you know popped in somebody's head probably 30 years ago. Well, then they they get some group together, and uh, you know they're they're the committee. So this guy drags me one night for a drink, and he goes, "Tom, I know you you researched a lot of railroads near Pullman. What do you think all this?" So he shows me the map, and I said, "Well, you get your just because you always want to use extent you know current roadways, you're going way west to turn east, which is a problem." I said, "But it's only going to take you you know it's 15 minutes out of your way, so I guess starting out that's all right." Plus, they would be using here the the uh, station right here, LaSalle Street Station, man. Uh, and there's no direct way from there to this eastern, whatever. So I said, well, why don't you do something? I said, these towns you're talking about are dying by the day. If you think this is going to help, uh, why don't we, you know, all, all the trains now, 
you don't you don't need a platform. Okay, you can you can uh, some of them have trap doors for if you have a platform or not. But by, by and large, you can dump people out on the roadway. Okay, I said if you feel you're going to do this in in six months, let's get a schedule together. Let's run two trains in the morning, two in the afternoon. See if anybody hops on. Let's try it out. If, is there anybody left in these towns that actually wants to work downtown or anybody wants to hire? I mean, it's really a bad degradation going on there, Hal. And, uh, yeah. Let's not, 10 years from now, you, you might not need the thing. <laughs> Those towns might be all dead. Well, we, if we're going to do something, let's do it fast. He goes, oh, that's not what. We want to have the stations and everything all together. I said, you know, if you no reason to hop on, what do you need a station for? Well, because everybody on the committee had their thumb into building one of the stations or something. Can you imagine what the real estate contracts are? Oh, yeah. It, it had nothing to do with actually getting a train there for these people. It has that, nothing, yeah, it has nothing to do with helping the people. No, it, no. it has everything to do with who's going to buy the land to develop it. I think that ease, ease of, if you can get people to work uh, for and, and pay them whatever the number is, 50 grand a year, and if, and if they can get to work and back for fifteen hundred bucks a year, you got you got yourself from employees. Yeah. If if they have to pay tolls and parking to the tune of, you know, eighty dollars a day, you're not getting them at that price, I don't think. Do you? I mean, how can you? Yeah. I mean what would well, what would they have to pay you if you had to get in your car, pay the tolls to get into Manhattan every day and pay fifty bucks to park? Yeah, I wouldn't do it. Or or they'd have to say we we, we got to pay it two hundred dollars a day for transportation. Yeah, it's another forty grand well, a year, right? Another thing that I I, I don't understand about the uh, a Manhattan the way they do the subways is that man a family they cannot afford to ride the subway in and out of Manhattan. Single people not a big deal, but a family of six. I got four kids. My wife. I'd love to take the subway into Central Park, but it's like. For all of us to go to Central Park and then back out to Brooklyn, it is cheaper to jump in the van and drive for an hour looking for a parking spot. Well, what are the, don't near the, aren't the kids Park. like half price or something? No, they're they have to be under a certain height limit. Really? I'm under, yeah, I think they have to be under like 41 inches tall to ride for free. But you know, when my mother-in-law, when I rode with my mother-in-law one year, my mother-in-law is kind of pushing the kids underneath. The return style. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love and, it. And it made me feel like I was stealing. Because I didn't really know what the rule was. Right? If you can walk under the turnstile, you're free. Is that, the, is that the deal? I don't know what it is, but she was pushing them under the turnstile. And, and it kind of made me feel like I was ripping off the city. Like, my kids are we're, we're not wealthy enough to pay well, full can't price. They, and when I was uh, when we when I was growing up, you had a you had a student card. You not even know the, you know the uh, the fare was oh, a dude. quarter. You got it for twelve ma- cents. Can you imagine what would happen if they had student cards? I think they would. There'd be there'd be like a a black market in student cards. That, you know, maybe the student would sell for money, right? Well, yeah. I, I think that, that something <laughs> like that would happen. I can I can actually see something yeah, like that happening. Way, we, we, we didn't think of that. You're way too sneaky. Plus, what would some guy 40 years old get on there and have a student card? Dude? <laughs> so you well, save 12 as, cents. As long as, it's, as long as it says green and go. Like when you tap, when I tap my debit card, it says go. You know, it doesn't make. If oh. you have a student card and you tap it and it says go, 
I mean, you'd have to attach some biometrics to that card because I could see oh, God. a huge black market in that stuff. All right, what's your over/under on budget budget deal, week to week? Oh, this is all this is all just smoke and mirrors and politics, and it's all for the cameras. Yeah, but there's got to be you know, a, the Democrats gotta... are preening, the Republicans are preening. They're going to make a deal. All right, so the, is it, the, the market that. goes up that day for a day or what? I, I think it does because uh, the floodgates are open and the. They're, the, they're going to create a bunch of new money. The debt ceiling gets lifted. And print money is great for markets. Oh, yeah. That'll take care of yourself, buddy. SP Futures down 11 now. SP Futures down 34. So we're leaking a little bit, but not bad. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.